Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. I had to change the stand a little shorter because I'm not quite this tall. So uh, I hope everyone had a great week this week. Uh, we're really glad you decided to spend some time with us here this morning. Um, we're, we're in the middle of a series right now uh, called The Reason for Me. And uh, we've been looking at a few things over the past few weeks. And over the past few weeks, we've been looking at this, this idea of, like, why do we exist? And we've seen that we exist. One of the reasons we exist is because God really wanted us. God really wanted you. He really wanted me. And we exist to seek God and to find God. And that when we find God and we get to know him, um, we really there's some purpose and meaning begins to really flow through our lives as we do that. And then that purpose and meaning we've been looking at is the great commandment. It's really tied up in the two facets of the great commandment where we love God and we love our neighbor as ourselves. And last week, last week we looked at the, uh, we spent a good amount of time looking at the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we looked at, we looked at a real practical definition of love, and that definition is just meeting needs, meeting needs in the lives of other people. And that when you come to loving your neighbor, we looked at the question isn't, who is my neighbor? The question is really, whose neighbor will I prove to be? It's not, who is my neighbor, but whose neighbor will I prove to be? And that's, what Jesus did is instead of limiting the, the neighbor concept and using it as a limiting idea, he really opened up the idea to really include like everybody we know and everyone that's in relationship with us. And we also saw that we saw that God is uh, specifically placed us right where we're at and where we're at in our in our in the world where we're at where we live where we're at uh, just uh, in our families where we work and where. Uh, where we go to school, God has really placed us right where we're at. And then he, he really places us there in different arenas so that we really love and influence uh, the people around us. That's what he really has for us. So today we're going to look at one of those arenas. We're going to be looking at our family tree, just uh, how to live a purposeful, meaningful life in your family tree. Uh, and how there's just a flow. There's people that come before us, there's us, and then there's the future generations that flow out of us. And we have this place in our own family tree. Now, I don't know, you may not know much about your family tree. I know, I know some, just enough to be dangerous about our, mine. But there's, there's a few things that have come out over time. You just kind of learn a few things once in a while. My mom, several years ago, uh, got a hold of me and she said, Hey, did you know that, uh, the man who invented the Ferris wheel is your descendant? I mean, your descendant. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now I have a time machine. You're his descendant. I said, no, who is this guy? His name is George Washington uh, Ferris. Well, you always know you can do something with your life when you're named George Washington something. You know, uh, but he uh, he he designed and built the first Ferris wheel for the 1893 Chicago World Fair. I'm like, wow! And he was a civil engineer, so they were trying to compete with the Eiffel Tower. So they went, well, it has to be real big, but it has to rotate. That'll be really something. And so they had these huge platforms. People would ride on these platforms. But uh, that's that's someone that's in my in my past. Maybe that's some of the civil engineering thing bug that I got was 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 de- genetic. I don't know. But then you know, another thing, another person that we kind of discovered is this is on Kate's side. She uh, her, her, when her grandmother passed away, we we got a, several books from her collection, and one of them was this really old book of the Psalms, and it was, it was really it was really cool. I mean, it's really old. I love old books. And I was opening it up, and I looked inside. There was some handwriting, 
And it was like my favorite psalms, and it was listing. I went, man, those are some of my favorite psalms. And at the bottom it said, E.G. Spalding. I went, and then it said 1861. I went, whoa, that's a long time ago. And I went, E.G. Spalding. I, you do everything on Google. So I, I Googled it, and I found out. Actually, Kate's grandmother's maiden name was Spalding. I found out that this was Eldridge G. Spalding, and he was the chairman of the Ways and, Chemi- Ways and Means Committee in the House of Representatives during the Civil War. Like, whoa. And then he kept going. It's like, and he, he actually wrote the bill that allowed the United States, the, the North, to go off the gold standard so they could print money and fund the war. And people attribute that, that decision with actually being able to fund the war for the North. I'm like, whoa, well, this is something. There's his book. He used to read the Psalms. And I know his favorite ones. But it's, it's just, you know, it's just interesting. You, you know, we all, we all have people that have preceded us. And that leads us into now. And then what we choose to do with our time and our family now has a real impact on the future. It has a real impact on how things go from our family tree in the future. And we can really change. For some of us, maybe the flow into our family tree right now is not the best family flow. But we have this opportunity to really connect with God and really make a difference in the generation we're currently in to really cause a different uh, flow into the future in our family tree. You know, all families, uh, you know, all families, really, all of our families have really had an impact on us. And I know uh, the family that I grew up in uh, had, a, had a real positive impact. There were a lot of positive impacts that happened to me through my mom and dad. Um, one thing, you know, just I've mentioned before how I grew up in construction. My, I worked as a small boy with my dad and grew up in construction. But there's some things I just learned uh, from my dad, uh, just, you know, how to work hard. Uh, how to uh, how to figure things out and get things done. That's just something that I, I learned from him and some of my uncles and cousins. But just you know that we that we're going to be counted on this idea that you're going to be counted on to do what you said you would do, and then working thing with excellence. My dad would always say on the job, he'd always say, "We only get paid to do it once, so we're going to do it right the first time." Like so, I just you know there, I could probably I could stand up here probably for ten minutes telling you little sentences. My dad would say. Some of them were appropriate. Some of them were not as appropriate. But um, but it had a real impact on me. My mom just had a real impact on me as well and just just taking care of me. And then uh, just just her faith and her trusting God really impacted me. Uh, and, you know, a few years ago, I, I went off on a business trip, and I, and I decided I was going to spend some time just to try to get some time alone with God and just ask God what God would want me to do. And one of the things that he put on my mind was to write, to honor my mom and dad. And the thought that came to my mind was to write a poem uh, for my mom and dad, for each of them. And now, I, I'd only written another, well, I've, I've written poems in school, but we don't really want to talk about those. But uh, but only other time I tried to write a poem was for Kate when we were dating. And let's just say it didn't go so well. So anyway, uh, you know, when it comes to writing poems, I'm a civil engineer. Um <laughs> So uh, anyway, we, I had this idea, and so I, I worked on these uh, two different poems. I wanna, I'd like to read to you just some of the poem I wrote my mom. And cut me some slack because I am a civil engineer. So, uh, but be encouraged, it doesn't start, roses are red. <laughs> so uh, this is what I wrote. Um, as Kate gives her life to our kids, the, co- the thought comes as I see. I am grateful for your life and for your investment in me. 
Our culture measures a woman's worth in terms of a successful career, but you gave your life to shape my life, and the impact of that is what I hold dear. I felt secure in your embrace as childish fears filled me with dread. I think the wolfman's in my closet, and I'm pretty sure snakes are in my bed. As I grew, I ran to you as hurts in my life came to be, whether it was a broken heart or just a skinned-up knee. When I was met with injustice by the abuse of authority, I saw you risk confrontation to courageously stick up for me. Your life pointed me to the scriptures. What, what God said meant a lot to you. I followed your example, and now he's my treasure too. Being greatly loved by my mother illuminates Isaiah 49.15. Finding God loves more than a mother is an amazing thought for me. I should have known better than to try to read that. I'm not going to read you my dad's because there's no way I could read both of them. Um, but my mom, just the impact my mom has had on me, and it's just made, it's made a huge difference in my life. You know, who, who your parents are really shape us. They've really shaped us. And who we are really shapes our kids. Who we are really shapes our kids. And, you know, our family trees really matter to God, he, and he really thinks generationally. He, he works through family trees. And, in fact, if you look at, I want us to take a look on the screen on Psalm 145.4. It says, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. That's just what God intends. He wants our generation. He wants us to pass our faith on in God to the next generation. That's what he wants. And there's a tremendous potential in a family to really have an impact over the generations. There's tremendous potential. And if we'll, if we'll walk with God in love and influence our family well, we can really have that generational impact in our own family. <clears throat> and so this, today we're looking at, like, how do you practically live out? How do you love your family? How do you practically live that out? Now, this week in the news, we found out how not to do that. Uh, bribe their way into college. That's a really bad way to do it. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you guys have been keeping tabs on this. It would be hard to miss it. But there's a lot of uh, folks that uh, had a few dollars that were wealthy, and they tried to, they've been trying to get their kids into colleges, things, places like Yale, Stanford, USC, UCLA, uh, Georgetown. <clears throat> but just uh, just bribing their way in. And there's this one gentleman. He, he had two facets to this thing. He, was, he would uh, inflate their SAT scores. I won't get into the details of how, how he would do that. Or he would uh, had this system of bribes to like athletic directors and coaches, and uh, they would they would bring students in as if they were top athletes, even if they had nothing to do with the sport at all. Well, there were 50 people arrested, 50 people this last week. Their life really kind of turned around, and there were 33 parents that were arrested. Uh, there were 10 coaches. Uh, then uh, there were I think four that were from USC. Uh, two of them had already left the college, but uh, I think a couple of them got fired this week. Then uh, there were four people that were involved in the SAT, the SAT part of the scam. Now, if you were to go talk to all those parents, those uh, 33 parents and maybe the ones that weren't charged, I think what they would say is that they really wanted the best for their kids. They just wanted the best for their kids. That's what they would say. And, you know, we, we talked several weeks ago about lawnmower parents that's like to mow down all the trouble and 
mow down all the obstacles in front of their kids. This is that to an extreme and uh, to even involve illegal activity. But if you think about it, what, what did that teach their kids? What are, as I was thinking about this this week, I was thinking, what did that, what is this teaching their kids or what did that teach their kids? Now, some of them didn't know what was going on. Some of them probably did, but a lot of them, it seems that they just didn't know that this had happened. I think one thing to teach them is, you know, to cheat and lie to get ahead is just you do whatever it takes. That's one thing you kind of learn. Um, maybe you would wonder if you'd think my parents don't think very highly of my abilities. Maybe there'd be like some some things that really, that really you'd really struggle with with that. Uh, maybe it's your mom and dad really helped you have a sense of entitlement. You just felt like uh, I'm owed. But the but one thing that has happened is the truth of reality has really has really come to bear on that's in. Uh, Proverbs 10:9. Take a look. If you take a look at this verse, it says, "He who walks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will be found out." That's just that's just what reality looks like, and so that's one thing that they're all learning right now. Uh, and so that's a that's a that's a tough lesson to learn on the on the back end. It'd be better to learn that up front and and live your life in such a way where these things didn't catch up with you. And then I thought, what would this do to their kids? I think, you know, some of the kids are going to lose their admission to college. Some of the, some of the students, you know, they're, they're probably going to deal with some emotional issues, just like I, I didn't measure up. Uh, maybe they lose some friendships. People go, man, you don't even belong here. I don't know. I really don't know what people are, students are going to deal with, but some of them are going to possibly be expelled. And so the folks, the parents were trying to do what was best for them, and actually it all went south. It was just a really bad situation. I don't want to dwell on that too much, but, it was just incredible watching that unfold this list last week. So today as we talk, I'm going to be speaking from the vantage point of parents to kids as I talk about loving your family. But the principles that we cover and with the principles that we talk about, really they, they, they intertwine. They go between all different parts of the family. But as a parent to your kids, how do you love your family? And I think I want to talk about four things. And the first thing I'd like to just talk about briefly is just you really want to see your kids' worth in God's eyes. You really want to see your kids' worth in God's eyes. And just realize that, you know, God created your kids as unique individuals. And it's, it's a real adventure just to get to know them and just to find out how they're wired. It's just a real adventure. And just to know that, you know, God really wanted them. And he really created them with gifts and abilities and he has a real place for the, in the world for them. He has a real place he wants them to be in the world. And then just to realize that, you know, God has really placed them with you and with me for a little while. He placed them for a little while just to really to love them, to help them discover that God loves them, to really lead them to a relationship with Jesus where they can really connect to God relationally. Uh, and then to help them discover and develop how God has really wired them and help them find their place in the world. That's That's one way that we can really love them is help them find out who they are, how God's wired them and what their place is in the world. And then the second thing I want to talk about this morning is just, is just to share with them what God has done with, for you to share with them what God has done with you. It really all starts. It really all starts with where you're at in your own relationship with God is that if you're really connecting to God relationally and enjoying him, you really want to pass that on to your kids and share that with them. Jesus gave this one verse parable in Matthew 13. If we could show that on the screen. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid it again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. 
Now, it doesn't say he went out of a sense of duty, but out of a sense of joy. Like, you know, he is, the guy goes out, he finds this, he finds his treasure and he goes, oh shoot, cover it up. Oh, we also see that. And then he goes and nothing else he has even compares with it. He goes and sells what he has, comes back and buys that field so he can have that treasure. What, what, what Jesus is trying to communicate here is just that treasure for us is, is God in a relationship with him and being a part of what he's doing in the world. When you see the value of that, you see the, just the enjoyment that God wants you to have in him, everything else just pales in comparison. And if you, as God is more and more your treasure in life, your confidence and trust in him really goes up. And as your confidence and trust go up, then that's what you really pass on to your kids is that confidence in him and that trust in him that he really is uh, who he said he was and how he really cares about them. The third thing that I, that I wanted to cover this morning, and that is to love, to love our kids. We really want to teach them. We really want to teach them how life really works. We really want to teach them how life really works on the front end. Uh, we've been looking over the, in this series, we've been looking at the great commandment, uh, which Jesus gave in uh, Matthew 22. But let's, we're going to look this morning, we'll look back at the place in the Old Testament where that command was given in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Moses said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This is, this is where Jesus got that. And this flows directly into the next verse. The very next thing he said was, these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in their house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and you rise up. Really, it's, that's really the major way to show how we love our kids, to take our love for God, is to really show our kids how life really works, how to connect them with how the Word of God really shows how life really works. And if we're connected to Him by loving Him, and we're, we're being more and more convinced over time that this really is how life works, then we really have the ability to, to really share that with them and help them understand that on their end. Now, with Kate and I, I want to just give some examples. You know, uh, Kate and I have a whole lot to learn uh, in a lot of areas, but I want to just share some things that we did to try to help our kids understand really how life really works and how the Bible and the Scriptures really are how that works. Uh, we One thing Kate would do is she would write some verses. She would write verses and, and hang them up on their wall in their bedroom uh, the, of things that we really wanted them to get. So you go into their bedroom, you see verses on the wall. And then we'd tell them stories. We'd tell them stories. And our kids always want to hear stories. They'd, uh, we, we started telling them stories when they were young, and they'd go, tell us a story, Dad. And, we'd, and then, they, then they'd switch, tell us a story when you were naughty. <laughs> Okay, well, I have too many of those actually, but uh, let me filter through some of those and see if I can tell you something. But they, they love to hear stories. But just we would share stories with them of how, how we had just seen experiences we were having and how that really showed us that the Bible was really true. And then uh, what I want to do is I want to look at just three areas, just three areas as an example of some things that we, we wanted really our kids to get. Uh, and then... Uh, walk, walk to those. There are many, many areas that we want our kids to get, but these are some three that, that I'm going to throw out. This is just examples of how we did it, uh, what, we, what we worked on. One idea, one thing we really wanted our kids to get was that we need to take care of each other. We need to take care of each other. And so Philippians 2, 3, and 4 was up on the wall. It says, Do, not from selfish, do nothing from selfishness 
or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. So when they were really little, we would, we would correct based on this. Like if they did things that weren't loving or weren't helpful, we would, we would correct on that when they were really little so that they would learn that we, we take care of each other. That's the lesson we'd always teach them. And then as they got older, they would see the reality of that in their own experience. They'd see it with kids at school. They'd see it in their relationships. They would see that there, there was this real reality. We'd draw, we'd bring them back to it and remind them of this. And I tell you, there's nothing, there's nothing more special than when you see one of your kids look out for the other one. And when they began to actually look out for each other and take care of each other, it's a very special thing. I want us to look, I want us to watch a movie clip, uh, this morning of, we can actually see this happening. And the movie clip is from a movie called Unbroken. And it's the, it's the story of Louis Zamperini. It's a true story. And Louis, when he was a, when he was a young boy, as you see in the movie, he got, he started getting into some trouble. And, uh, his brother one day, his brother was on the track team and his brother sees him run and he realizes, hey, he's, he's got some speed. He's got some potential as a runner. And so he begins to really help his brother and he wants to really, he's trying to cast this vision for him. Hey, you could be on the track team, but Louis doesn't believe it. I want to watch this clip and just this interchange between, uh, Louis and his older brother. What are you talking about? I can't make a track team. I don't even know why you're Yes, you can. If you can take it, you can make it. What? You can take it. You can make it. All right? You train. You fight. Way harder than those other guys. And you win. You get out from under them. Or you keep going the way you're going and you end up as a bum in the streets. You can do this, Louis. Just got to believe you. Don't believe. I do. Come on. Andiamo. Forza! Va bene.
You know, his brother just encouraged him and he challenged him and he just dreamed for him. It was just his brother was the one that just really spurred him on there. And, you know, he, he wound up being, uh, one of the fastest guy, fastest high school students in the country. And he went to the 1936 Olympics. And, you know, God is able to do so much more in our families when we're just trying to take care of one another and just, Looking to help find help each other find our place in the world and really find our gifts and abilities. Um, so just helping our kids just learn to take care of each other and look out for each other is huge. Another thing that, that Kate and I really wanted to try to build into our kids is that we always need to forgive each other. We always need to forgive each other. So Ephesians four thirty two would 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 come up on the wall. Uh, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. When they were really little, we wanted to get them. We wanted to just help them to, to learn how to forgive each other. And, and so, when they're really little, there's not there's not a lot of depth of feeling when you're little. Uh, but you're just trying to get them learn through the mechanics of and just kind of the habit of forgiveness. And so, we would teach them that if they did something wrong, that they had to say, "You're sorry." I'm sorry for that and say what it was. And then we taught, then we had kind of a, everyone kind of some orientation that hey, when someone says sorry, you say that's okay. And you let it go. That's okay. That's okay. And so, you know, when they're really little, that can, that can be kind of cute. And then, uh, and, but we just wanted to build a, a habit of forgiveness in our lives. And, uh, sometimes it wasn't very heartfelt when they were little, but you're just trying to help them just learn those mechanics. And then, you know, my mom told us a story a while back when uh, Patrick, we left Patrick and Molly at their house and when they were real little. And she said she was in the kitchen doing something and she heard in the other room, Molly start crying. And she like, her ears perk up. And so she goes in. Uh, she's on her way to the, to the bedroom where they were. And as she gets closer, she hears Patrick say, I'm sorry, Molly. I'm sorry, Molly. I'm sorry, Molly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And so my mom walks in the door. She probably remembers me saying that to my sister. She walks in the door and she said, Patrick, what did you do? And Molly, and Molly goes, it's okay, Grammy. It's okay. He said, sorry. And I said, okay. I said, it's okay. I'm like, well, there you go. There you go. And so my mom still doesn't know what Patrick did. <laughs> she has no idea what Patrick did because Molly let it go. And that's just, that's just something we just wanted to ingrain in our kids. And continue as in our family to just make that a high value that we we forgive each other because we all mess up, and we all we all just we all do things we regret, and we really want to just be able to let things go and really forgive each other. Another thing that we really wanted to work with our kids on is just just that we need to be faithful to what we say we'll do. We wanted to work with them that we want to be faithful to what we say we're going to do. So Luke sixteen ten. Uh, would be uh, would be on the wall. You know, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. It's just really important that, that faithfulness be a quality across the board. And so what we did is we, we wanted them to learn to think before they committed to do something. And then be intentional with the commitment. And then follow through on the commitment they made. So we wanted them to just to 
to think through the before they committed to something and then just to be intentional when they commit and then to follow through with what they committed to do. So we, we came up with a simple saying and we just we just said, we say what we mean and then we do it. We say what we mean and then we do it. We say what we mean. We, we'd, we'd go around, we'd kind of chant that around. We'd say it all the time. If my kids, if you went to my, my kids and you said, we say what we mean, they'd probably go, and then you do it. It's just... It's just a saying that, that we, we developed in our family just to get that idea, you know, say what we mean, think it through, mean it, say it, and then follow through and do it. So that was just that was something that we did. Now, if all of our kids, if all of our kids just had these three things ingrained in them, just had these three things ingrained in them, that we take care of one another, that we always forgive each other, and that we're faithful to keep our commitments, their lives would be dramatically improved dramatically improve beyond what most most people's lives are. And because the reason is because that's just the way life works. That's just how life works. And I really can't think of a more loving thing to do for your kids than to help them understand and see how life really works. And that really is found in the scripture. That really God has really painted the scripture in such a way where it really explains and shows us just how life really works. Then the fourth thing, like how to love your how to love your kids is is you need to model it for them. You need to model it for them. So, you know, they really need to see that it's real in your own life. That goes back to Deuteronomy 6. But just, they need to see that it's real in your own life. So in your marriage, you know, in your marriage, uh, between you and your your wife or your husband, just really strive. Like, I'll see in the category of those three things that I mentioned, but just strive to, to really take care of each other and look out for each other's needs. Look to meet each other's needs. You know, look, really strive to keep forgiving each other and keep your relationship clear in your marriage. And then, you know, just really strive to be faithful to keep your commitments to each other in your marriage. Because when kids, when they see that in you and they see that you're striving to do that, then that value just gets set deeper, gets set deeper and deeper in their lives. And then... The way you treat them. Uh, you know, this. as I say this, I can think of many, many times when I failed this. And then that's where they have to forgive me as I come to them and I apologize or I, or, I, or I say that I'm sorry for something I've done. That's why all this works together. But, you know, how do you treat your kids? You know, really strive to take care of them and look out for their needs. And dream some dreams. You know, help them to see where they fit in the world. And how their what their abilities are, and then you know really strive to forgive them of their offenses towards you, and uh, and don't bring up his history, but just just really forgive them for anything that they would do against you, and then really strive to to keep your commitments to them, and if you don't, just really fess up to that and ask them for your forgi- their forgiveness for that, but just really strive to do that, and then really accept them, just accept them for who they are and where they're at. Accept them for who they are and where they're at. And when they see you treating them this way, then they become more and more convinced that just that's, that's the way life really works. And that makes all the difference in the world because that is actually how life works. If you go to work, that's how it works. You go anywhere you go, those facets, those qualities of life, those characteristics, those make a huge difference. So just remember this, that parenting is a short season. I'm learning myself how short that season is. And, the, you know, the days might feel long, but the years are short. The days might feel long, but the days are short. 
So let's, let's just not miss this opportunity to impact the next generation by loving them well. I'd like to end today with just a, with a clip as well. And this, this clip is actually, it's, a, it's also about Louis Zamperini, but it's, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna see him himself and he passed away when he was 97. But in this clip, it's actually, it's right at the end, uh, just before the movie came out about him unbroken. And uh, it's just about the, the people in the clip. You'll see the author of the book who wrote a book about him, and you'll see the director of the movie, uh, Angelina Jolie, who, who directed the story about him. And also you'll see his son and his grandson and what they have to say about him. Now, Louis, if you, if you have not, if you don't know much about his story, if you haven't seen the movie Unbroken, he was shot down uh, in an airplane in World War II you know, over the Pacific and, and survived on the ocean for like 46 days, I think it was the longest survival on the ocean at that time. And he was then captured by the Japanese, and then he spent some years in a POW camp, and he was tortured, and he was treated so shamefully. And then he came back home. He came back home, and after a couple of years of just being in really a tough spot, he committed his life to Christ. And, and God just really got a hold of his life, and he began to find his place in the world. And he forgave. One of the big parts of his story is he forgave the Japanese guards that had treated him so poorly. And so that's like some big facets of his story. I want you to just listen to what they say about him uh, and his legacy that he left. And you can kind of see his legacy in this clip. Over the 4th of July weekend, the flags of the city flew at half-staff to remember a man we call our hometown hero. And now we're here today to celebrate the life Louis Zamperini. I was actually on my way to bed on the night of July 2nd, and I heard my cell phone make a little noise and decided to check that last message, and it was Louis' daughter, Cynthia, telling me he had passed away that night. And I got down on my floor and had a, had a good long cry about it. And I felt almost surprised that he had died, even though he was 97 years old, because he seemed immortal. And not just because he had faced death over and over and found a way through every time, but because his spirit was so strong, so vital, that it seemed immortal. My grandfather has been a lot of things to a lot of people. He's a testament to the strength and resilience of the human spirit. But to me, he's always just been my grandpa, the loving, kind, and generous man who went above and beyond to give me a chance at a better life than he had and the wisdom to be a better man than he was. That's a tough act to follow. While my heart is indeed broken, we won't get to see Louis on the red carpet. His spirit and love of life will remain unbroken for eternity. The last time I talked to him before he passed away, I said, Dad, you're dying today, but your work continues, and his story is being told to millions and millions and millions for years to come. I brought the film to the hospital the day before he went to ICU. And uh, it, it was amazing. It was amazing because he was, he was looking at this beautiful, beautiful face of this 97-year-old man with still sparkling, beautiful blue eyes and showing him his life when he first saw the, the plane that starts with the planes. And he saw Donald, and he said under his breath, Phil. Phil. Oh, 
spell. You remember spell. Like, it had nothing to do with whether or not I did a good shot or whether or not the, the movie's great. He, didn't, he was just seeing Phil. And when the flak went off, he jumped and had a reaction because that was the war he was in, and he remembers those days. And when he was running, when he watched himself running, was... I can't explain what that... I, I felt so privileged to be witnessing this moment, watching somebody who's at the end of their life, watching himself be at the peak of his physical ability and seeing himself with his brother, who, you know, in Louis's mind, he's, he was a very, very devout Christian and believed as soon as he passed away, he would be with Pete again and his mom and dad. And so to watch him reflect and kind of visit with them and remember their times together right before he was preparing to be with them in heaven. It was, it was extraordinary. It's extraordinary. I was just struck by, <clears throat> I guess he wasn't nothing. There's a, there's a dream that God has for each one of us. And he wants us, he wants to step into that dream and he really wants us to help our kids see that. And uh, I think, uh, you know, Louis is an amazing, an amazing guy. But God really wants each one of us, wants each one of us to uh, really connect with him and have a, just an impact, that, a generational impact in our family and the people around us. So with that, uh, let me uh, ask the band to go ahead and come back up. And uh, if you haven't finished filling out your connection card, now's a great time to go ahead and fill that out. You can drop it in the offering when it comes by. And uh, go through just a couple next steps. You know, maybe for you this morning, maybe just... Pursuing your own relationship with God and really finding Him to be the treasure of your life. Just pursuing Him, making time in your schedule. Maybe that's a next step for you today. Uh, maybe for you, just uh, maybe there's some, just think to think through some things about reality that God's really taught you and how you could really pass those on to your kids. And uh, that we'd all just continue to just really love our families. Uh, with that, let me pray. God, I just thank you today, Father, for your word. And that you didn't leave us untethered in the dark. God, you really gave us uh, an ability to understand what how reality really works. And that you really cared and loved for us. God, I pray that you'd really uh, impact each one of us relationally and that you would really use us in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.